Hello and welcome everyone to the very first episode of the Northwest Hospitality Leadership Podcast. I couldn't be more excited. This is the first episode in a series where we'll be speaking with leaders in the hospitality industry about the importance of having great leadership in your organization. There is no question the hospitality industry is changing rapidly, which means we as leaders need to evolve with these changes. We need to lead differently, think differently, and welcome the next generation of leaders and give them the tools that they will need to help lead great teams. That's what this is about. That's the information we're hoping to bring to you. Um, and we will get it kicked off today talking about finding the ideal team players. Today's episode is sponsored by U.S. Bank. We have a link in the description below for you to learn about U.S. Bank's credit card processing program. We definitely thank them for sponsoring us today. With that, let's get to the episode where I had a pleasure of speaking with Taryn Patel, Vice President of A1 Hospitality Management in the Tri-Cities, and Lane Haas, Vice, Vice President of Operations at Anthony's Restaurants. And of course, our regular featured guest for the Northwest Hospitality Leadership Podcast is Chris Jensen with The Table Group, a firm that's been dedicating to making companies more successful, work more fulfilling, and growing leaders. We talked about their book, The Ideal Team Player, how to recognize and cultivate the three essential virtues. Today's discussion was all about the three main qualities that make the ideal team player and the importance of hiring and retaining ideal team players. It's not just what this means as a theoretical concept, but more importantly, what it means to you in the real world. Taryn and Lane shared their challenges when hiring ideal team players especially during the pandemic as the workforce is rapidly changing. We discuss the negative impacts when we have people who are not ideal team players on our team and the impact it has on everyone in the organization. And we talked about what leaders can do to make sure they have the ideal team players in their organizations and how that leads to better outcomes. Thanks again to US Bank for sponsoring today's episode. And with that, I'm excited. Let's get it started. Well, everyone, I can't tell you how excited I am today. This is our first of the Northwest Hospitality Leadership Podcasts. And what we really want to do is get away from the news and the crisis of the moment and talk about how we become great leaders and we uh, affect the culture of hospitality moving forward and, um, and the different elements of that. And we're going to start off in that arena with one of the toughest challenges we're all having today, which is finding, finding a great team finding great team players, finding leaders in our community that also then go hire <laughs> ideal team players. It's obviously uh, the number one crisis is, is the workforce shortage and finding great people. And uh, and the book that probably is a good way to get this conversation started and think about it was The Ideal Team Player, um, which is one of the many great books from, um, from the table group. Um, Chris, can you give us a little summary of, of, of the book and, and what drove uh, the Table Group to put this together? Yeah, thank you, Anthony. And this is an exciting podcast. I, I think you're right. At this moment, the biggest conversation is around finding people and uh, finding the right people, especially when organizations are under pressure, is critical. That's probably been the number one conversation I've been having. And The Ideal Team Player is the book we wrote to answer the question, how do we know in a world where we want people to collaborate, work together more effectively, are there 
are there people who are inclined to naturally do that better than others? And for a long time, we didn't actually know. We just assumed everyone, everyone can learn to be a team player. And for the most part, I think we believe that's true. Um, but, you know, over, you know, nearly 30 years of working with executive teams and management teams and leaders all over the world, we realized there are some things that are true. And, um, and that's where the genesis of the Ideal Team Player book came out of. The number one question we were getting from, from leaders was, are there people, now that we understand teamwork, are there people we can look for who are inclined to help us more quickly function like a cohesive team? And the answer is yes. And that's what the ideal team player is. And the, the quick answer is um, we need to find people who are humble, hungry, and smart. And uh, as we get it, when we'll get into the details of what those three things mean, but the idea is people need to be humble. They need, in other words, they need to have a very healthy view of themselves. Um, and so we look at humility as not just the absence of ego and arrogance, but also an accurate view of your strengths and what you can bring to the table. So people need to have humility. They need to have hunger, which is about this internal natural ambition and drive to achieve whatever we're looking to achieve um, as an organization or a, or a restaurant or whatever, whatever the organization is. Um, and people need to have smarts, which is the one word in our model that's different than what peop most people think of when you think of smarts, most people think of intellectual smarts. Uh, but really what we're talking about there is relational smarts. Are people able to be aware of how their behavior affects others? And are they able to actually moderate their behavior in order to work effectively with others? And now I know in the, in the uh, hospitality industry, nobody has issues with relating effectively with each other people are highly productive there's no poor behavior across any aspect so it's easy to this that's the easy one to find um but as we've as we've worked with leadership teams over the years uh we've realized you know there there are essentially two types of things you want to look for uh, when you're hiring somebody people who will reflect the unique attributes of your organization and so at the at the table group we call those core values but in a collaborative environment you also want to look for people who are team players and that's what the ideal team player book is about is how do you identify team players when you're in the recruiting process and after you've brought them on board how do you cultivate those you know we call them virtues or attributes in your team members um, to help build more collaboration across your organization. So that's the like snippet version of that book. Now it's a fable and there's more insights in there. We can dive into all of the aspects you'd like to get into. Well, th to help us do that, uh, we are really blessed to have two of the, the best brains and people I know in the industry. Uh, one, uh, we we're just talking about uh, Lane Haas with Anthony's Homeport. Um, and uh, Lane has been my consultant and my advisor whenever i'm stuck with a tough issue for, for over a few decades we've been working together lane when i'm stuck or i'm looking for ideas i'll call lane on the on the on the background and say what do you think how many times have i done that to you lane over the years um <laughs> since Hold before on. you were the executive or <laughs> so same one. All the way, I wouldn't have been here without a lot of your great advice over the years, Lane. Well, and I would say it's mutual because I often call Anthony and say, hey, this is what we're hearing. These are the trends we're seeing. Are you seeing it or is it just unique to us at Anthony's? And so 
I guess we're in a mutual admiration society. I mean, <laughs> um, but it's been a wonderful collaborative uh, relationship, um, especially I think in my time on the board and then as the chair, we've gone through so many ups and downs with this industry and in trying to uh, make it an industry that continues to be a healthy place for people to want to be a part of. And it changes. It's I've, I've been in with Anthony's 40 years. I've been in the industry since I was 14. Um, so, you know, that's probably more than 40 years. But the industry has changed so much and it's 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 never it's never static. It's always fluid. It's always changing. And and this what you're looking for in team members changes with it. And so it's been a, a fascinating journey. Well, Lane, thank you for joining us today. I know pretty much everyone in the Puget Sound uh, in, in our industry knows your name and, and is familiar and appreciates your leadership. So thanks for joining us and giving okay. us your insight. And Taryn Patel with A1 Hospitality, uh, one of the rising superstar leaders, as far as I'm concerned, in our industry. Um, been a great leader with AHOA and with our association and in the Tri-Cities area. And now getting outside of the Tri-Cities area, Taryn, with some of your new hotels and other things. Thank you so much for, for joining us today and uh, and helping us kind of talk about what we need to do in our industry. Go ahead. I'm excited for this. This was a fun book to read, and I'm already excited with sharing this book with some of our leadership team within our organization. So um, go back and take some of our findings from this podcast and share it with our team members. Well, let's let's start with that. Uh, and Taryn, you kind of opened up the that window. Um, I asked you to read the book in preparation to talk about the conversation of finding great team players, one of the, the biggest things we're challenged with today. Give us kind of your overall view of the book, what you think, and and, and what were a couple of your immediate takeaways from from uh, uh, from, from going through the book? Yeah, o overall, my takeaway, obviously, of the book, it, it's a great book. Um, easy, easy to relate to, um, especially in this time and age where in the hospitality industry, there's no, it's no secret that our biggest challenge right now is is our labor, our workforce. Um, significant COVID fatigue or COVID burnout, what we're calling it, and many others um, has been, has hit our industry. And we've seen many, um, for the first time ever, we've been um, historically known to have a very low turnover rate, um, but we were seeing some superstars within our organization um, start to leave and not leave us for other organizations, but, but leave the industry as a whole. Mm. Um, the COVID fatigue caught up to them. And these were, as I was reading the book, I was, these were people that were at one time, they were the ideal team player, but somewhere along the way, they either they lost their hunger or they lost their smarts. So it's, it's almost an evolving process. It's not that you can go out and seek an ideal team player and they're going to be an ideal team player for the tenure of their career. I think us as leaders, it's important for us to constantly um, keep up with them, ensure that um, they're staying within that uh, the center circle, which I'm sure we'll talk about more throughout the podcast. But um, it's evolving. Right? An ideal team player may be an ideal team player today, but six months down the road, there may be something affecting them in their prof professional life or personal life um, that kind of shifts them outside of the center of the circle and maybe they lose their hunger or they're not as humble anymore. Not as they're not able to resonate with their team members as much as they used to in the past. So mm -hmm. um, that's such a that's such a good point, Taryn. That is something we've we constantly are reinforcing. This is not a hire people and then forget about it. 
it is identify and hire and then you continually cultivate because even in leaders, you know, even amongst us at the table group, we'll reevaluate ourselves on a regular basis against those. And, um, and though, and exactly to your point, there's times when I'll say, yeah, hunger's kind of low right now. I'm feeling really comfortable. The ambition is, and there could be other reasons. Maybe, maybe people smarts is low. I'm feeling stressed. And as a result, I'm not being very aware of how I'm affecting others. And so having that, that thinking that this is something we have to cultivate as leaders, it's not just a hire these people and forget about it. Uh, so important in this whole process. Taryn, uh, Lane, what about what about you? What was your first impression of the book? Did it resonate with some of the things you try to do at Anthony's and any initial high-level thoughts? It did resonate with what we do at Anthony's. And um, I'd go back to Taryn's comment. Um, you know, coming out, I'd say the last two years has been extremely challenging because for a good part of it was just survival. And we were looking at our leaders as survivors and who was going to still be standing at the end. And, you know, we were just going so fast. And as we started to come out of it, we went, yeah, here we go. We can go back to being who we are. And then this fatigue, which Taryn um, is talking about, has come forward. And now we're looking at how do we work through this? And so I think from a the book provides an overall perspective that was good for me to go back and read. Um, because it reminded me of those core important values that you look for. And now in looking at our teams surviving this COVID situation, um, how do we go back and focus on those and revitalize those and re-energize our team from those perspectives? Because when we talk about hungry, we weren't hungry, we were survivors. You know, and those that wanted to survive were really the, the we found out who rolls up their sleeve and really, you know, wants to continue and make this company grow. Um, now it's going back and saying, okay, we're tired. You know, we're fatigued. We still don't know what's coming next. How do we regrow? And that's our kind of our theme this year is regrowing, you know, going back to having a growth mindset, not a survival mindset. So the book really kind of puts some of those core values um, into perspective. And, um, you know, for a while, our leaders weren't working with anybody but each other. That was that was all that was in the restaurant doing to go food. They were adapting. Now, how do we go back? We're rebuilding our teams. We're trying to find people to rebuild our teams with. Um, how do we go back to those core ideas that make them want to be a part of Anthony's and stay with us going forward? It's um, it was it was a good reminder of what's really important as we look forward. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris, I, I heard something similar from Taryn and Lane, and I love that I didn't know where this was going to go, and, and and it's already started <laughs> off that way. As 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 we will come out of this, and as we start to move forward, um, and we've had this, I guess you call it a traumatic experience. I don't even know how to describe COVID in a simple way. How do you reset the base that you have? Um, with these ideas in mind, any suggestions of before we start going out and and recruiting in? How do we start with this process and looking inward? Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I love what you said, Lane. That there has to be kind of you have to rally the tr- bring the truths back together and just acknowledge where are we at right now. And I think this is one of the mistakes a lot of leaders make is they um, and and I've I've given this advice to so many different leaders in the middle of 
crisis or emerging, you know, transitioning out of crisis or from one thing to another is they start over focusing on the future and they, they completely ignore the current state. And in order for us to really lead our people out of something, we have to acknowledge the current state. Where are we at right now? And what are the challenges that we're at that are worth us moving? And so acknowledging things like we're tired, we're stressed, we've got some employees who have hung in there and worked extra in order to help the organization survive in some instances. You know, I'm I'm right here in Portland. So I totally hear what you're saying, Lane, right here in Portland, Oregon, you go around a, a very vibrant um, restaurant industry and you see these people standing at the front doors feeding food out. They've been doing this now for almost two years, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so there does, leaders do need to bring the team together and have a conversation. And usually that conversation is not a 30 minute or one hour discussion. This is one of the reasons why we recommend teams consider doing some form of an offsite or an onsite with their team where they just have an extended period of time. Maybe it's a half day, maybe even a full day to just talk as a team and say, where are we at right now? And what's the most important thing for us to focus on now? And like Lane, you know, Lane acknowledged with her organization, just being able to say, hey, we need to we need to kind of reset and get ourselves back in a in a new kind of a new state and take care of ourselves. That's exactly the kind of thing leaders need to do. What the mistake they make is, okay, it's over. Now let's focus on the future. Let's start galvanizing for where we want to go. Let's go get more people and let's grow and rebuild. And meanwhile, they've got you know, they've got this staff that's just tired, exhausted, stressed. There's a lot of people who are still afraid and leaders need to pay attention to the current state. That's the only way to galvanize people to move towards a future state. If you ignore the current state, you lose credibility as a leader. Lane, are you, are you looking at anything in, in inside Anthony's to kind of do that internal assessment or uh, any suggestions to other operators listening today of how do they assess where they're at today with humble, hungry and smart and, and, and do they have the right team players on board? Well, a couple of things we've been doing is uh, one talking to our leadership team. How are they? How are they feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, because we're in multiple markets, you know, Richland and Boise and um, Coeur d'Alene are different than the Puget Sound and they're having different challenges and um helping them get through things we've never dealt with before. I mean, mean guests every day, uh, things that are beyond us, you know, how, how are you feeling about it? How are you adjusting your career thoughts because of um, this new kind of environment we're in? Um, So really conversations, we do have a, a big, we had something called the GM chef summit. You're familiar with that, Anthony. We'll, We'll be doing one in January that just focuses on how are we doing? You know, what do we need? Um, we know that the, the nuts and bolts, we need workers, we need product, we need supplies, but really what do we need as the leaders to now, you know, go forward acknowledging, you know, what have we learned? We've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we've learned we're more resilient than we thought we were. We knew that we were stronger. You know, we have a, we had a mantra for a couple of months, hey, we're still standing. And that was a big, huge success. Now 
what what whoever places we're still standing, you know, and and what do they think? You know, what do they think that's important? Um, so, you know, that's the the leadership team here at the um, home office has been really focusing on that broader perspective of where we go while staying in touch with every restaurant leader every week. Um, and now setting up a, a structure, the support system, the outside support we need to to kind of figure out as a group where we're going next. Because we want to grow. We're not done, you know, but we've got to take care of what we have to be able to grow. Uh, Taryn, thank you, Lane. I, I love that. I'm, I'm so excited you're here because people need to hear this. This, uh, Taryn, you talked about getting the copy of this and walking through the Ideal Team Player with the book um, with your team. Um, yeah. And uh, any questions you have for Chris on how to do that or even advice to um, uh, other other operators across the state and in the Northwest listening about going through this process and, and raising them and thinking about, do we have the right team members who are humble, hungry, and smart on our team? I think we have to kind of go back to, to when the pandemic began. What was so unique about this was every organization, whether it was a hospitality company or a restaurant company, they they approached handling the pandemic completely differently, right? There was no, there was no SLP. There was no guidance. There was no, there was no rule of thumb on how do you manage your organization throughout a global pandemic? Um, how do you deal with your staffing issues? How do you deal with your team morale? How do you deal with the health and safety of your team, your guests, your diners? All that. So, um, it's interesting just talking to other peers in the industry. Many of us um, took a completely different approach. Our approach going into the pandemic was um, obviously there were layoffs when this all began, and we took the approach of um, laying off most of our line level employees and retaining our leader, senior leadership team and plugging them into roles that a line level employee would, entry level employee typically would do. We had our senior 20 year general managers cleaning rooms, folding laundry that so um throughout all of that what we found out was that may not have it it was to our benefit it was also um a bit detrimental to our organization so um we kind of took a quick reset evaluated where we were at and um, just spoke to our team um, see what was working what wasn't working and feedback they gave to us was no we do we need to bring back our team members and get them reinvigorated, re-motivated and get them going. And um, that's when I, and then right when we're going through this exercise, Anthony sends me this book, start going through the book and see, yeah, there's this ideal team player. And immediately first thing that came to mind was um, we added team members to our leadership team that may have, have been a, a TED and uh, many of our listeners may not know what a TED is, but that was the, the workplace politician, right? The, mm -hmm. the, hungry and on the hungry and people smart side, but lacking the humility, the humility, the humility, which would, um, and that, that was a big mistake we made. We, what, what uh, the effect of that was we brought in a team member that was a, a skillful politician and he drove some of our, I guess, ideal team players who may have lost one of their three virtues throughout, throughout the pandemic, but easily could have been, um, reinvigorated, motivated again to come back to our team. But 
um, that one bad apple caused us to lose some some key team members. So yeah. um, just with that, having that experience going back to the table and implementing this would be extremely useful. See, that's such a, um, is it okay to jump in? Please, I, please. Both of you mentioned retention and this is, so when we talk about the ideal team player, I think this is one of the important things that as leaders, we have to internalize before we really bring this to our people is we have to understand these are not just, you know, cute anecdotes or cute virtues that are nice to cultivate and they encourage people, but these have a real effect on morale, engagement, like internally, who wants to go to work with somebody who's ambitious and good people skills, but you find out they're not humble. They're constantly working things for their own interest, even sometimes against the greater good of the organization. That's miserable. And usually, you know, in the book, you, we call those people skillful politicians. Those are the most difficult to see. Um, but equally challenging is when you have those team members who are humble and they have good people skills, but they have no ambition. We call them lovable slackers in the book. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they're fun to be around, but it's like you're constantly having to ask them to do something. And in the middle of difficult times, this is where you want people who have all three. And that's you know, the ideal team player is the person who has all three. But I think as leaders, we have to first understand and in what industry more than hospitality do we realize people who have these virtues, one, internally are much more fun to work with. So it makes going to work more fulfilling when I know I'm working with colleagues who have no ego about themselves. They love bringing things to the table. They, uh, they, they work hard. You don't have to constantly make them do more work. They're, they're eager to get to work. They show up on time, maybe even a little early. They're ready to go. And they're pleasant to interact with. They're not difficult to interact with. That's great internally. And it's even better for our customers. You know, Lane, you talked about having a lot of difficult interactions with customers. And I think that's one of the weird things that's one of the weird outcomes of this whole COVID thing is mm -hmm. we're seeing this on the news. You know, there's like, you know, battles between customers and employees and who gets to come into the restaurants and who's not, and all of these different things. And again, this is where when we have team members who are humble, hungry and smart, their ability to interact well with people who might be irrational or difficult or, you know, pick your pick your adjective. <laughs> it's um it it is it's much better and employees leave at the end of the day feeling much better about themselves and the and the organization they're a part of because they realize we know how to handle difficult people and difficult circumstances and we don't need to combat them we just need to you know let's be humble um let's not compromise and let's just let's understand we are a team internally. And so we don't have to cater to bad behavior, but we know how to handle it. And that's, that's much more fulfilling place to work. That's a much, and, and when you, when leaders don't do that, they end up losing their ideal team players, which is what, you know, you pointed out, Taryn, is you end up losing the people who you want to retain when leaders allow people who are not team players to stay. And the unfortunate thing is most of the reason why leaders do it is because those people are good at their job and leaders 
are having a hard time stomaching, do I get rid of somebody who's skilled, but not a team player? Yeah. And to, to Lane's point, I, a lot of that in our industry had to do with survival mode. Um, right. We did, we did not have that luxury in our industry at that time to sit back and say, hey, this guy is he's lacking his he's not as humble as we'd like him to be. Let's let's uh, uh, yeah. kick him out of our organization. We were just uh, trying to keep our head above water. Yeah. Well, and there's, then, a, there's, a, there's an like, expression of just um, hiring a warm body or keeping right. a warm body. <laughs> And in some cases, we're so desperate, you know, it's like, okay, it's a warm body. But what we've stepped back and said, no, that will damage us in the long run. We just won't open for lunch. We exactly. just won't open Monday or Tuesday. And to our difficult, difficult guests telling our, our team, which is so anti-Anthony's, okay, don't invite the guests to come in. Right. You know, it's okay to tell them to go someplace else. Um, and when they want to wear their mask, we'd welcome them back. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's so foreign to hospitality, you know, telling someone you cannot come in. But in the long run for the, the morale of the team, you know, we have to get there sometimes. And these are just um, such a different environment. Um, but that temptation to, oh, I can open for lunch if I just hire three more servers. Well, have you found three great servers? Well, no, but this person, no, no, no. Let's take right. a step back. You know, will this person be someone you'd put on the dinner shift? No, but I could open lunch. Well, mm -hmm. what's the difference? Yeah. You know, it's it's really hard. Taryn, I know it's just, yeah. you're looking out there and, you know, how do you reopen? How do you yeah. regrow? Um, well, I'm glad you brought that up. I want to share a quick story from uh, last night. I had a, when I'm here in downtown Seattle visiting for the weekend and went on to dinner and entered a restaurant and asked for a table for two. Um, the host said it'll be about five minutes. And, and then we're constantly watching. Everyone who was coming in that door, they were saying it'll be about five minutes. Um, and we started just noticing very disgruntled patrons waiting in the waiting area. And uh, The fastest anyone got seated was 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> and in the background, you start noticing um, the team members of the restaurant and they're overwhelmed they're running back and forth they're, they look like they're they're stressed fatigued they're not having a good time and then you look around the dining room and you see some more disgruntled patrons sitting at their tables waiting a long time for that service so to your point at what time do you just cap yourself and say hey look we only have three servers tonight we may have a 50 table dining room but we're only going to seat 20 of those tables tonight and um that i guess as leaders within our organization, that that's our job, right? To, yeah. to take that kind of global approach and witness and see where we're at. And it's not all about the capital detrimental short-term capital impact it may have on our businesses, but it's uh, taking a look at the long-term picture. Don't get caught up in renting maybe 10 additional rooms tonight versus renting, keeping your, retaining your guest for long periods of time. Well, and that's exactly what I was just thinking the same thing, the short term versus long term. Every time leaders compromise in for short term gain, there is some long term ramifications. And we all know in your industry, all it takes is one interaction with a server or a staff member that's not a team player that doesn't represent the values of the organization that turns off a customer 
forever. And, um, and, and it's like, I'd rather just not be open for a couple of lunches than to turn off a hundred potential customers in the long, in the long term for, you know, for a long period of time. Let me ask one more question on existing teams. And then I want to talk about a little bit about, um, as we go hunt for people, um, mm -hmm. my own company, but I'm guessing everyone, um, there are people who may had all three ahead of time. And I'm guessing humility is hard to lose, but I don't know that. I'm going to say this humility. But hunger, when you're burned out, is certainly something that can mm -hmm. come into question. Yep. And when you're tired, your ability to be emotionally intelligent may become strained, yeah. um, uh, smart, mm -hmm. um, and, and good around guests and, and your people. That maybe during normal times, you never have an issue, but lack of sleep, 60-hour work weeks, all the deadlines, you mm -hmm. start losing that that emotional softness mm -hmm. that you might've had in other times. When you see that in team members who maybe have lost one or two of those elements of being the ideal team player, um, Chris, how would, where do you start the coaching process? Is it, are those two things that can come back? Any advice to people who see that in their team before they start going out and hiring people, how they correct for what they've got? Yeah, the first thing is leaders need to start paying attention to those virtues and rewarding their people when they see them do practicing them. The best way to create a culture around those virtues is to find employees who are demonstrating humility or demonstrating hunger or demonstrating good people skills and highlighting them in front of their peers and appreciating them for there's, there's, you know, I think of that, that person, my wife was a hostess when she and I were first uh, dating and we just celebrated our 20 year anniversary. Um, she was a hostess. And so she's, you know, had all those difficult interactions with individuals, maybe folks who've had a little bit too much to drink at the bar when they're leaving. And, um, and one of the reasons why she loved her manager is because she, she would get appreciated in front of her peers. She's a very quiet, introverted person, but her ability to handle those interactions and just be gracious and pleasant and move them out and, uh, and not be a distraction to other customers was, was incredible. And she could do it so gracefully. She had great people skills. And it's some, it sends a message to the whole staff when a manager or a leader says, hey, I just want to appreciate her or him for what just happened this is an example when we say we want to be humble hungry and smart this is exactly what we mean by that and i just want to appreciate and value that so when leaders leaders need to and this is something you could do right now today you can go into your team and start looking for opportunities to catch people in the act of doing the right things the next thing we need to have uh you know the courage to do is pull people aside and with great empathy and care especially in the middle of crisis, say, hey, what's going on? I noticed this interaction and um, it didn't seem like it went very well, you know, and, and begin to teach your people about what these virtues are and the implications of them on, on how we interact with each other and how it affects the staff. And so to be able to say, hey, that interact, the way you came off in that interaction seemed to lack humility. And when leaders start with empathy and understanding, hey, help me understand where you are at in that circumstance. It helps people be more vulnerable and open. 
And, um, and it gives opportunity for the leader to begin to coach and correct and guide people towards more productive behaviors. And so, um, so it's helpful for us to first catch people in the act of doing the right thing and then pull people aside and, you know, with understanding and empathy, ask them, hey, what was going on? Point out what you observed and help them understand how choosing either more hunger or more humility would have helped uh, would have helped that circumstance be more effective. You know, hunger is an important one, you know, and easy to point out, it seems, hey, when you didn't step up, you caused three other people uh, to have to pick up the ball as a result. It would have been so helpful if you would have stepped in and volunteered a little bit more effort, even though it might not be your role. And uh, and so if you could pay attention to that, that would be helpful. Anything like that is going to be good. Um, I also think leaders need to describe for themselves when they're struggling with one of those three things. It's incre- it sets a tone of openness, or, of accountability around these. When a leader can say, even during a shift or at the end of a shift or at the beginning, hey, I just want you to know where I'm at today. I'm super tired, I'm really stressed. I might come off short. And I know, you know, I know people smarts and relational smarts is something we're trying to cultivate. So catch me if I'm, if I'm being short with somebody or not paying attention because I'm really tired. And so just, just know where I'm at right now. That sets a tone that we're not looking to be punitive. We're trying to be use these to help guide and support us having the right environment. Those are the three things. Yeah. I think you all, you brought up another great point here that a lot of our leaders right now, especially in our hospitality industry is um, for the smarts. Um, they have it. They are smart, but they're so caught up in the day to day and the the survival mode that we're talking about that they're not they don't have the time to pick up these emotional cues that their team members are demonstrating or picking up on small, subtle behavioral changes or all that to be able to sit down with that team member and say, hey, look, I noticed that you seemed a little down today. Is there something that's bothering you outside of work or within work that I can do to help you be a better ideal team player? So it, having the time as well right now. So um, which is why it's so important to Lane's point is hitting that reset button and mm-hmm. seeing where you are as a team and you start with yourself. Yeah. And I would say this, when it comes to those conversations, do them quickly and as immediately as you can, because when leaders wait and they wait for three or four or five instances of that behavior, they create a conversation that's actually not very o- open and vulnerable because now when I come to that employee and I'm like, hey, I have five instances where you talk to customers this way. They're immediately defensive because they're trying to think what was happening in those five instances and maybe three of them, they were actually valid. They were in, they were in the right, maybe two of them, they were in the wrong. So when leaders can be more immediate and when they see it, just pull them aside. When, when we do that, we're actually the ones as the leaders who are in the vulnerable state because we don't know what the we don't we may not have the full picture and so the faster we do it the more immediate we respond to it the better Um, employees hate hearing that they did something five times and nobody told them the first four give them a chance to change quickly well chris to you and the the table group for all you've done to help make workplaces better and 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 illuminate leadership needs uh thank you very much for your time today and, and the work that you do Everyone have have a great day. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll look forward to uh, hearing how this works out in the world. Give us your feedback. Thank you. Thank you.